coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Monday to you. It is hot as hell outside. I, I woke up this morning. I decided uh, last night, spur of the moment, I was going to go up to Cloudland Canyon, grabbed a yurt, Stayed overnight, listened to cicadas. It was gorgeous and comfortably almost cool last night. I'm, if you're in Atlanta or south of here and I'm making you jealous, I apologize. But I'm telling you, <laughs> go north, young folks. Uh, it was gorgeous up at Cloudland Canyon. Got on a good hike today. The waterfalls were fantastic. The mist was cool coming off the water. And then I had to get back to reality, come back down here and hit gridlock just north of the battery and... Here I am. So uh, we get started with uh, quite a few things, actually. Another in a long line. And can you remember the last time Donald John Trump had a good day? Another in a long list of bad days for Donald Trump as a judge throws some zingers at him in a nine-page decision denying Donald Trump's request as he sued to quash the entire special purpose grand jury report in Fulton County uh, enjoin it from being used for anything else, basically demanding that it be burned so that it could never even see the light of day. He demanded that uh, the Fulton County District Attorney, Fonnie Willis, be barred from prosecuting any cases against him. That too denied. Of course, his claim was that she's biased. One of the fake Georgia electors even kind of latched onto that lawsuit. Well, today he got the denial from a judge, nine page decision. And if you are going to dive into this, I'll have it in show notes at ronshowatl.com. Do not miss the footnotes. Lots of fun there. Um, We'll get to that in a minute. The judge, name you should be familiar with at this point if you follow the story, Robert McBurney, uh, released what Tamar Hollerman and Bill Rankin at the AJC label a searing nine-page order. Uh, Justice McBurney ruled that Trump and Kathy Latham, the... Uh, the fake juror, the fake elector, uh, who joined the former president's motion, did not have sufficient legal standing to mount a challenge before any indictments are announced. McBurney wrote that these requests are insufficient, quote, because while being the subject or even target of a highly publicized criminal investigation is uh, likely an unwelcome and unpleasant experience... No court ever has held that the status alone provides a basis for the courts to interfere with or halt the investigation. Uh, As the uh, reporters Tamar Holloman and Bill Rankin write at the AJC, the ruling came in response to a motion that Trump's Atlanta-based attorneys filed in March, which questioned the conduct of Fulton District Attorney Fonnie Willis, the investigative special grand jury that helped her compile evidence, and even Justice Robert McBurney himself. Fonnie Willis, by the way, spent the weekend, over the weekend, uh, handing out backpacks loaded with school supplies for Atlanta and Fulton County's neediest kids. But reporter Tracia Bowles did take the opportunity to ask D.A. Willis, are we ready to see these indictments yet? The work is accomplished. We've been working for two and a half years. We're ready to go. Which explains why if you go by the Fulton County Courthouse downtown, you'll notice there's a lot more barricades and security precautions being visibly seen ahead of the indictments coming out. 
On that, she said, Some people may not be happy with the decisions that I was making, and sometimes when people are unhappy, they act in a way that could create harm. She didn't give many details, but Willis says another way she's preparing is by upping security. She says she wrote a letter to the Fulton County Sheriff. I think that the sheriff is doing something smart and making sure that the courthouse stays safe. And everyone in it. I'm not willing to put any of the employees or the constituents that come to the courthouse in harm's way. Willis says she's holding to her commitment to giving the American people an answer by September 1st. Now listen, September 1st is still a long ways off. We've got a month between then and September 1st. I actually think it's going to come a lot faster and uh, or sooner. One of the reasons I think that, here's the headline from today's AJC. Fulton Magistrate Court goes virtual ahead of expected Trump indictment. Joseph Papp reporting that the Magistrate Court is directing those with hearings in the coming weeks to avoid going to the downtown Atlanta courthouse and connect virtually instead. In fact, this is on a Facebook post. Officials said anyone with court scheduled for a selection of dates between Monday, yeah, today, July 31st, and August 18th, that they should use a Zoom link, which can be requested by phone or email. Uh, The post uh, came along with photos showing orange barricades, as we talked about, placed around the courthouse to enhance security ahead of the expected indictment of one former President Donald John Trump. What a world we live in where that is the political environment we live in. So hyper-partisan. And again, this is this is the sad thing. There was a, a new poll that came out that showed Trump is in firm control with all of these indictments already lodged against him and more to come. He is not just polling at 50%. He is a head of 50%. And with the decimation of the Ron DeSantis campaign just literally wilting before our very eyes. <laughs> how do you even feel about this? I, I'm cons- I, I'm wondering how you feel. Uh, let us know. You can call in and, and or, or text 404-919-2725. Are you happy that it looks like we're dodging the DeSantis bullet? Or... Is it the matter of choosing, picking, literally picking your poison? How about this for a would you rather? Would you rather have a second Trump presidency or have to live in a DeSantis world where he attacks wokeism in such a way that it costs his own taxpayers as they rack up looming debts and losses in the whole fight against Disney's wokeism and the rewriting of curriculum, American history curriculum. I I mean, even Tim Scott, even Tim Scott has some issues with the rewriting of Florida's American history curriculum, which of course DeSantis just says it's Washington Republicans who don't know what they're talking about. Okay. Here is what Tim Scott had to say, by the way. There's no silver lining in freedom, in slavery. What slavery was, was really about separating families, about mutilating humans, and even raping their wives. It was just devastating. So I would hope that every person in our country, and certainly running for president, would appreciate that. And listen, people have bad days. Sometimes they regret what they say. And we should uh, ask them again to clarify their positions. See, here here I go back to where I, I have to say, I've said this many times. I disagree with Tim Scott on a lot of things. About 98% of the issues that face this country, he and I are diametrically opposed. Tim Scott's a good man, and Tim Scott will 
call a, oh God, I'm not even going to say that. He's going to call it for what it is. He's going to call balls and, balls and strikes correctly when it comes to issues of race. Ron DeSantis wants to blame Washington insiders, Washington Republicans who don't know what they're talking about, but his own handpicked state school board had this benchmark of clarifications, including instructions. Instructions includes how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. Slaves, personal benefit. Those three words never cohabitated in the minds of those who enslaved or the enslaved. Boy, am I glad I'm at least learning how to dot, dot, dot. Never cross the mind of anyone enslaved in the United States. Nor did it cross the mind of someone who did enslave. Well, at the very least, let's at least teach these folks a craft that they can take with them when emancipated. No. No, that's never, (laughs) that's not how it worked. Unless you learn American history in the state of Florida going forward. Okay, so anyway, I got off on Trump to rail on DeSantis. I, I, I went there because, again, new polling, a New York Times Siena University poll showed that likely Republican primary voters, if the election for the GOP presidential nomination were held today, the question asked, which candidate would you be most likely to vote for? Trump received 54%. Now listen, you don't have to be a math scholar to understand that if that that means that if you added everybody else's numbers up to try and take him on, like everybody else combined to take on Donald Trump, everybody else would lose by at least eight percent. Everybody, the the rest of the GOP field loses to Donald, multiply indicted, COVID president, bleach to cure it, <laughs> net jobs loss, perfect phone calls, Trump has 54% of likely GOP voters right now as we speak. With everything they know, it it begs the question, is this an indictment on the Republican base or on the options of other than Trump? You could have a solid debate about that. I might just right now. You could have a... I mean, obviously, Ron DeSantis is a failure. Mike Pence... He's got the stain of Trump, and I know he could have lost his life to his base, but Mike Pence, who, who, by the way, in this time, Siena University poll, polls in third place, a tie for third at 3%. Third place, 3%. Mike Pence, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley. Tim Scott, I believe, is polling uh, competitive with Trump in Iowa Nikki Haley competitive, I want to say in New Hampshire or South Carolina. Nobody nobody else has traction. And DeSantis has lost, I want to say, about half of his support just in the last three months. 17%. That's, I mean, he's not even within a kitten's whisker of Donald Trump. He's not within a wall. He's not within anybody's whisker. He's not within a solar system. Donald Trump, right? He is trailing Donald Trump by 37%. Another little sad footnote to this Trump phenomenon on the right, like he's racking up a serious legal tab. Like 
$56 million tab, and it continues to grow. But he's not the one paying for it. His donors are. Washington Post reported uh, that Trump's Save America PAC will disclose about $40.2 million in legal spending today for ongoing litigation involving charges in New York, Miami, and potentially here in Atlanta, and those already out and still to come, we would assume from Jack Smith in Washington, D.C. Yeah, Donald Trump's not paying these legal bills. His base is. How sad. How pathetic. And if you know anybody that's a huge MAGA fanatic still, you have to remind them. It's sad. It's pathetic. And then they won't speak to you ever again. Do you feel like you lose there? Meh. We'll also be keeping an eye on a parallel fundraising uh, venture to try and help Trump's friends and allies with their own legal expenses. I gotta believe that that's going to make a fraction of the money that the fanatics are giving to bail Donald himself out. Anyway, more to come. This is The Ron Show on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, and thank you listening wherever you podcast if you do. Welcome back to The Ron Show for Monday. I was talking uh, in the first segment about some of the swipes that Justice Robert McBurney took at the Trump attempts to have D.A. Fonnie Willis taken off the case and to block some other grand jury actions. The footnotes in this nine-page document uh, are kind of zinger-worthy. Let's see, footnote number seven, addressing Trump's due process claims. McBurney wrote, It is further important to note, in considering injury and standing, and lack thereof, that neither Trump nor Latham, who is the uh, fake elector uh, who enjoined this uh, appeal, appeared before, neither Trump nor Latham appeared before the special purpose grand jury. Thus, the litany of procedural and constitutional shortcomings they allege infected the special purpose grand jury's work are all applicable to someone not named Trump or Latham. Hmm. Page 7 and 8, where McBurney, uh, McBurney is rejecting Trump's demand to recuse Fonnie Willis due to her supposed bias, McBurney goes to great efforts to talk about the fact that Fonnie has walked a tightrope. She's been making measured statements, calling for justice. Then uh, McBurney compares that to Trump's own language, personally attacking Fonnie Willis, saying, the drumbeat from the district attorney has been neither partisan in the political sense nor personal. In marked and refreshing contrast to the stream of personal invective flowing from one of the movements. Hmm. McBurney concludes, the prosecutor is not a neutral party and does not need to pretend to be. She has a cause she has sworn to pursue, and in that pursuit of justice, she is, quote, is necessarily partisan in that case. If he or she were compelled to proceed with the same circumspection as the judge and jury, there would be an end to the conviction of criminals. Speaking of criminals, we have another J6 Georgian. And that would be a fella by the name. Oh man, this is this sucks. This just absolutely sucks. Not the Villarica part. He's from Villarica. I mean, but I like Villarica. Uh, anyway, Villarica resident, army veteran, 
Zachariah Bolton argued on TikTok with users posting videos denouncing the the attack. In one of these, according to an AJC article written by Chris Joyner, Bolton, age 38, said liberals on the video sharing site were okay with Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Quote, but you are not okay with us storming the Capitol like the founding fathers highly suggested we do. Responding to critics in the comments, Bolton wrote that participating in the events of that day was his, quote, patriotic duty. So, 30 months later, (laughs) the FBI arrested Zachariah Bolton earlier this month. July 10th, as a matter of fact. It was uh, three weeks ago. Charging him with four misdemeanors, misdemeanors related to his alleged actions at the Capitol. In an interview with the AJC, though, he doesn't seem to be all that concerned, has not changed his mind one bit about his involvement in January 6th, saying, it's just going to be a slap on the wrist. I'm not too concerned about misdemeanors. If it was a felony, I'd fight it to the hilt. Now, he also describes himself as being not really political, telling the AJC that he went to Washington just to hear Trump speak and didn't intend to break the law. Quote, had I known it was going to be a trap, a trap, then no, I would not have done it. And by that, he means entered the Capitol. I would have stood by and watched. He maintains, by the way, what a lot of J6ers do. that They were just ushered into the door. Doors were open. (laughs) Be our guest, be our guest. Like opening up a Toys R Us the day after Thanksgiving. I was literally there when they opened the doors to us. They waved us in. Mm. Former Army combat veteran, 38-year-old Zachariah Bolton from Villarica. And the sad thing about it, I mean, that's sad in and of itself. We, we have a, a military veteran. I mean, anybody's susceptible. Ashley Babbitt obviously was a former military as well. They weren't the only two. It's just, ah, what a cancer. What a cancer this, this Trumpism has been to this country. And, and I mean, it's, it's divisive for the country. Look what it's doing to the Republican Party. He has 54% of likely voters right now. And it's, it's almost as if the, the more indictments lobbed against him and the more convincing the charges are, the more powerful he gets within that movement. They are just... And this is one of those things where... I hate to kind of play the, the Nancy Lanza, Adam Lanza card, but Nancy as a mother defended her son when people ask questions about his behavior. Should you be teaching him? Making him comfortable with... And she paid the price. The ultimate price. The first to pay the ultimate price in Sandy Hook on that fateful day. Republicans created this monster. Can't remember which of the Sunday talk shows I'm watching where the the the, the, the folks on the dais there, the, the, the table were just talking about how there's nothing Republicans do about this. Kevin McCarthy has no control, literally over the House, let alone the goings-on uh, within the presidential primary. Mitch McConnell is having his own issues, as we all are know and 
well aware of. And sadly, they're complicit in, in the making of this Frankenstein that has left the lab and they can't stop. He is, I'll go to another sci-fi oldies uh, genre type flick. Godzilla, all that toxic swill just oozed down into the septic system and out crawled Trumpzilla. I mean, that's what he is. He cannot be contained. All of that toxic, hyper-partisan divisiveness. It's one thing when you're like, okay, with talk radio or the the, uh, the Wall Street Journal or the, the opinion writers, the Cal Thomases, Fox News, uh, One America News Network, you're okay with that because it, it emboldens the base. It shows, it gets those voters to show up. They to misinform the general population to get them to vote your way, you think is harmless. It's not. But when it's someone like Donald Trump, who's just not a bright guy, but can be easily conned just as his base has been, you've now empowered someone with the means to take over your party and for four years, the entire United States. Back after this on America One Radio. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. So I really have had no interest whatsoever in seeing the Barbie movie. But the more I hear about the Barbie movie, the more I feel like I need to go see the Barbie movie. You know, to be that good progressive liberal because it's getting rave reviews and folks are talking about the America Ferreira monologue in it. And also it makes Ben Shapiro really mad. It also makes... Trey Crowder, rather ponderous. Trey Crowder, the liberal redneck stand-up comedian. Here's his take. I've been pissed off about the Barbie movie, man. They're mad. They say it's like an overly woke, feminist, man-hating movie. They're they're mad about the girl power message in the Barbie movie. (laughs) Which to me is like a bunch of like crunchy coastal liberals went to see a G.I. Joe movie and then walked out like, I didn't care for all the gun violence. <laughs> Did the G.I. Joe movie really have to be so jingoistic? Yeah. It's crazy, but they're mad apparently because in the movie Barbie Land is, is projected as this like feminist utopia where Barbie does everything, does all the jobs, does all the work, and Ken is just like a useless piece of meat, right? But also the movie establishes that Barbie Land works based on how little girls in the real world are playing with their Barbies. So it makes perfect sense. Like, do none of these guys ever have little sisters? Like, nobody fucks with Ken. Like, I double-checked my wife yesterday. I texted her, and I was like, what'd you do with your Ken dolls growing up? She said, nothing. Ken sucks. or nothing. It's like, what do they think? They think that like little girls are employing traditional gender roles while playing with their Barbies. Like, they think six-year-olds are in their bedrooms with their Barbies just like, I baked you a casserole, Ken. I know how hard you've been working at business. Barbie Land would absolutely have a Big Brother Stole Your Barbies part of town. Which is just nothing but fucking Barbies Gone Wild only fan. <laughs> like, Barbie Land would absolutely have a red light district. Because of Big Brothers like me. Like, I mean, 
It's having a big brother's introduction to the world of filth is slamming those plastic crotches together. Oh my god, more on show after this. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. So every once in a while I get to catch up with old friends and see what's up in their world. And I've been wanting to catch up with this guy for a minute. His name is Johnny McCoy. And uh, Johnny joins me to discuss the White Flag app, which, by the way, I've downloaded. It's on my phone. I've yet to use it, though. I'm not going to lie, Johnny. Only because, uh, I, I don't know, I guess I've been in a good headspace lately. And I talk to a therapist routinely. But I like knowing that it's there. So without further ado, Johnny McCoy, tell us about the White Flag app and how you came to realize the need for it. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Ron. It's good to talk to you again. You know, we're social media buddies in that we keep up with each other Mm -hmm. through uh, social media and your podcast. And, you know, we just started our podcast on the White Flag app. Oh, cool. um, It's called White Flag Warriors. Um, And in the first three episodes have been my story. Basically, man, I'm... You know, I'm just like a typical person. You know, I was born into a family of uh, mentally ill parents who did not and still to this moment don't um, consider themselves mentally ill. My father witnessed uh, his grandfather um, take his own life uh, in this pain in front of him Uh, when he was a little boy. uh, He was 12 years old and was going over to visit my grandfather who was living alone, just got to a divorce and. Uh, he discovered him in his bed with a note in his hand. And the saddest part was the whole thing that not only did my grandfather know that my dad was coming. Um, so he, you know, he knew he was going to find him, but, um, my dad, uh, was, was sworn to secrecy, told never to talk about it. Mm. You know, they called it a heart attack at the funeral and yeah. so he never had any treatment. His, you know, I'm sure that there was some more things that happened to him growing up. And then my mom was molested as a child. Mm lost her father early um and you know the mom was kind of absent and seven brothers and sisters big catholic family then they meet in the 70s at disney you know kind of working their way up in the service industry and uh they got married and had three little boys and when you don't try to fix your own issues what you don't transform you transmit and they transmitted all that stuff through Mm. their veins through their bodies through their minds into us Mm. And I was born with generalized anxiety disorder and uh, panic disorder and some of these other issues. They just called me their worrier, you know, like, oh, this is our nervous son. Um, But in reality, I, you know, I had some very serious mental health issues growing up. And then one day my dad hit my mom in the face with a bottle and watching my father be arrested and my mom, you know, being mangled in the face, you know, it really did something to me. And, And most importantly, um, you know, it made me, uh, it made me realize that, um, you know, I was a little bit worse off than we thought. The problem was my family, they never, um, they never got me any treatment for it because mm-hmm. they didn't know anything better. And so I just kind of went on with life. And then the next thing, you know, uh, my mom becomes a full blown alcoholic. She's abusive to me. Then I leave for college. I find out I have Crohn's disease in college. And then, uh, you know, as, as one of those like hyper independent people, I, I went to law school and one you know, highest educated person in the history of my family. And mm-hmm. I have all these anxious issues about, you know, the police and watching my dad get arrested. And, you know, that's not something that you want to happen to you. And then one fateful evening in downtown Columbia, I was uh, falsely arrested for asking these police officers why they were arresting my friend and, um, to teach us a lesson for saying that we were attorneys, which we were. 
they shifted us to general population by not turning our paperwork in on time. And um, during that elongated stay, I witnessed somebody take their own life. So I witnessed a suicide as well while I was in jail. And I can't tell you, man, like most people will tell you when you have panic issues, getting away, moving out of that area, wherever you are, going outside, breathing, just removing yourself from the from the trauma, from the danger is what you need. And for, for me, I was locked in a jail cell. The yeah. guy was like right there in front of me for hours on end. It was a crime scene. And turns out that the officers lied on their incident report to justify my arrest became like this, like, you know, this, my word versus theirs. I mm-hmm. found a hidden, Yeah. I found a hidden surveillance video video went viral before viral was happening. Lawsuit mate, you know, it reaches the headlines. And the next thing, you know, I'm in a battle versus the city of Columbia uh, over whether or not I was right or they were right. And um, it went on for four years and it was bad. It was nasty. I ended up winning $300,000 the day before the trial started. The day they said that they didn't do anything, that the, the day they said they, they did something wrong was the day they slid the check across the table. Yeah. So I, I witnessed, you know, horrific from uh from a personal standpoint not from like reading it in a book Mm -hmm. what people go through what defendants go through what plaintiffs go through and so i took every dollar of that money i was working insurance defense at the time but i took all that money and i put it into my own law firm right and um so i started doing criminal law and civil rights law and you know i was hammering them in the courtroom because i you know i had the ability and the necessity to call people out when they were lying Mm -hmm. and in the south it's just not something you see in the courtroom man no you'll see you know attorneys and they'll be like well i gotta work with this guy you know i gotta i have thousands of cases with him i'm not gonna call him out on this and i did Mm -hmm. and at first there was a lot of pushback i got a lot of threats i was told you know this isn't this isn't an area that you need to be practicing law in one of the most conservative areas in the most conservative state in the union and then eventually, after I, you know, kept winning over and over again, eventually the word just got out. All right, don't lie or this guy's going to call you out on it, you know. And so heaven forbid um, <laughs> in yeah, our justice yeah, system. Right. Yeah. And so I, I started getting a bigger name. And then eventually I got started getting phone calls for really high profile cases because mm-hmm. they knew I, I didn't give a damn. I would call you out. So I got hired on the Julian Benton case where. My client was shot at 29 times, hit nine times, point blank range, eight feet away, maybe even closer, over $100 worth of marijuana. The whole thing admitted mm-hmm. was over a $100 marijuana sale. And my client allegedly sold the $100 worth of marijuana to a 100% mentally disabled military veteran who needed it to sleep. Right. They kicked this, they kicked this guy's door down middle of the afternoon while school buses were driving around unloaded 29 shots into this guy's house nine of them hit him he survives and they turned off all their body cameras same as in my case and guess what another hidden surveillance video this Mm -hmm. one showed that the officers didn't knock they didn't announce they weren't wearing police clothing so long story short we end up settling that case for a state record 11.2 million dollars in 2020 and this was right before george floyd so uh that was also right before COVID. so now i got this you know i got this this momentum we got a big attorney fee and then COVID hit and my mental health you know kind of like everybody else's took a plunge right it had already been bad you know mm-hmm. I had ptsd generalized anxiety all the stuff that i had gone through but i was also on xanax and so uh long story short 
I said, well, you know, I'm not changing anything. All I'm doing is winning for my clients. Nothing was being changed. The officers in the Julian Benton case still work there. Mm-hmm. They still signed sworn affidavits. The judge found them to have committed perjury. These guys didn't even get a day off. Mm-hmm. They didn't even get a public recommend, nothing. And so I asked for one around the time of the George Floyd. I said, is there any way that the city of Myrtle Beach or any of these other uh, surrounding municipalities that had officers involved are going to admonish publicly. And they said, no, you got your check. That's all you need. And I said, all right, well, if I'm not making any change in the justice system, all I'm doing is helping my clients get their own personal justice, but I'm not changing anything. I need to do something that has more of an effect on the world. And so um, from my own issues, my own suicide attempt in 2018, my own struggle with finding somebody to talk to, I realized that there wasn't anything out there. And so I created a way you to instantly and anonymously connect with somebody else who's going through the same things as you. That's all a white flag is. It's an app. It's a free app in the app store. And it's what I needed during all this struggle, all the stuff you just heard about. The only thing I ever needed to hear was from somebody else to say, I've gone through what you went through. I made it out. You can do this. Mm. Because when you go to a therapist, like you just talked about, they don't say that. They read through the book and they say, hey, this is what, you know, could have blah, blah, blah. But when I got into treatment and I finally got with a roommate who was walking me through what it was like to withdraw from Xanax, walked me through what it was like to have, you know, these nightmares and cope with them the next day, you know, and then for him to be able to tell me, look, I, I know exactly I know exactly what you're going through. The amount of times that you think about suicide, the amount of times where you think you can't make it. I went through the same thing. I'm here. And so it was that was the best medicine for me. And. You know, I thought that would be the best way to spend the money from the civil rights cases was to just flat out, you know, create something where people can find each other. And so that's what we got. That's where we're at now is all my time and attention is devoted to the white flag app and connecting the world. And we had a viral video on TikTok last week or two weeks ago, and we ended up with twenty five thousand downloads from that one video. Nice. So people are responding. They, They like it. They think it's a good idea. And uh, one of my favorite reviews in the app store is my why. And it reads, um, you have no idea what this app means to me. It's the only reason I'm still here. Wow. And those are the type of the feedback and the, and, you know, the kind of uh, reviews that keep me going, even though I'm, I still struggle, you know, I'm on antipsychotics. I'm one of the best lawyers uh, people will tell you in the state of South Carolina. And I guarantee you, I'm the only one that admits that I struggle with my mental health and I'm on antipsychotics and blah, blah, blah. And that's, I'm also still, I'm also still great. That's that's an important note too. I I was just going to sit here and tell people for those who don't know, you know, Johnny is, Johnny is a, an affable, good looking fella. He's got a, he's got his own law firm. I mean, you are on the outside, the definition of success, you know, and you've got a lovely wife. You, you've got on the outside what appears to be this fantastic life. And it's it's a lesson for us all to learn that what looks good on the outside, what we think looks fantastic on the outside, may not always be as fantastic on the inside for that individual. And so hearing people out and listening to their story and understanding that everyone has their own struggles, whether we know it or not, it, it's it's important to acknowledge. No, it's the. I mean, it, people talk about in the stigma and oh, you know, I need to be in the fight. And my favorite is the reach out to me if you, you know, everybody needs to know that you can reach out to me. Um, you know, if you guys really want to make a difference, if you really want to make a change, I'm going to tell you the only way to do it, or the most efficient way. 
uh, to make the biggest impact. And that is sharing your own story yeah. with your wife, with your son, with even if you don't have quote unquote mental health issues, yeah. you need to talk about the time where you couldn't get out of bed for three days. Mm -hmm. You need to talk about the time where, uh, where you lost somebody and you know, what grief felt like to you. You need to talk about the time where, you know, you, you like just, just the casual stuff that we all feel, but the people who talk about the thing that the, the, the things that are really difficult, like me, the past suicide attempt, trouble with addiction, trouble with alcohol. And you see me on the today show, you see me, you know, winning cases in the courtroom, you know, that are life without parole. People's lives are in my hands. You see that somebody's capable of doing these things and of being quote unquote mentally ill. That's the only way out of this thing. The reason that they're they're so afraid to talk to you and to everybody else and even mention what's going on with them is they're afraid of being shunned by society or yeah. locked up for three days. Yeah. And the only way that we're going to beat this thing is if you guys start talking. So and if you might cringe by saying by hearing a guy who's a, you know, a founder of a of a startup that people rave about that's got this incredible you know record in the courtroom and this good story and you know, all this other stuff, but I want you to, when you, when you think about, and you hear these things from me, I want you to remember this was done by somebody who was extremely mentally ill. Right. I don't care what you say. I've been, I, you know, going, going through my mental health issues and being to where I am today. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I'm comfortable with you saying, you know, he, he, he I, I heard from a guy who's very mentally ill, who's mm -hmm. doing great professionally i mean it's just like it's, it's if i had cancer yeah and 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 you know i was doing great you wouldn't be like oh my lord like how is he doing this well you would just be like applauding the mm. entire time because people are able to function normally quote unquote while they're dealing with deadly diseases which is what mental illness is which is what cancer is and uh we should it should all be treated uniformly I mean, it, I didn't do anything to acquire PTSD. Mm. I, I was born with it. And then my surroundings happened and made it worse. So, you know, why should I be so ashamed? Why should I be so embarrassed? The people who hurt me, damn sure, aren't embarrassed. They're, you know, they could care less. So, so let uh, me tell you what I love about White Flag. First of all, in a country where uh, medical bills uh, lead to bankruptcies and that in and of itself causes its own mental struggles. Yeah, uh, you know this. This is something that anyone who needs it can obtain it, and there's no cost involved for it. And that's something that I find particularly pleasing and want to shout from the top of mountains and rooftops. Download this app, log in, sign yourself up, answer a few questions, and you're set if and when you ever need it. And you never have to worry about the cost. The cost is what keeps people from going to seek preventative medical care and preventative mental health care as well. Yeah, no, you're right on the money. And, you know, uh, it's not, it, I mean, you said it perfectly because it is, it's 24 seven. There are very, very little hurdles for you to have to get out, get on the app and begin talking with somebody. And after all of the stuff that I've been through, all the treatments, all the options, talking has been the, the most beneficial thing to me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're talking to a therapist, a psychiatrist, a physician, or somebody else who's been through it. That's called peer support. Yeah. What matters is that you start your journey and you just start, you know, having these conversations and on white flag, you don't have to jump straight in and say, I'm struggling with this, this, and this. You can go talk to somebody else 
who's saying, I'm struggling with this, this, and this. And you can just be there to support them, learning about their issues while you in turn learn about your own yourself until you're ready to start talking about your stuff more intimately. But the truth is, you know, men, people who are struggling with mental illness are incredibly lonely. Mm. I mean, most people are just lonely in general, right. but people with mental illness are incredibly lonely. 24 hours a day, you can anonymously get on white flag and have a real conversation with a real person who needs it, who needs to hear from you, who needs to know that there's empathy in other people out there. You don't just have to be related to them. You don't have to be paid. You don't have to be trained. It's true. It's within us. It, and, and it's what makes us a, separate from the rest of the species on this planet is that we we do things for each other without anything expected in return. And it feels great. It helps us. But that's not why we do it. There's some sort of internal longing to be there for each other. And that white flag provides you the space to do that. So if you're out there and you want to know how I can get in the fight, you want to know how I can, you know, uh, help com truly combat the crisis, white flags on the front line. Just sign on. You don't got to put your real name in there. Just an anonymous username. You don't have to put your address or anything crazy like that. And you can immediately begin, you know, combating the crisis by being there for somebody else. Let me ask you this, Johnny, though. Uh, you know, if I have, uh, you know, some big pocketed donor who wants to say, you know, I really want to get behind this. I'd like to I'd like to to support it in some kind of way. Is 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 that does that avenue exist or is there any way that, you know, yeah. folks can? Yeah. So the best thing for you to do if you want to you know, be, on, be along the journey, along the way, is to follow our social media for, um, you know, for different ways where you can participate, whether we're going to end up doing crowdfunding here soon okay. or you know, whether we announce a fundraise or whatnot. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's a great question. I appreciate it. The best way to do that is to just kind of follow us on our social media for updates. Okay. All right. And how do, uh, what, what's your, give, give us your social media handles for those who don't. Yeah. Yeah. So we're everywhere at White Flag App. Okay. app uh you know we um we're on tiktok we're on instagram we post daily on every channel facebook twitter we're even on linkedin because people are in those places and it's people that are struggling with mental illness and need this so we go where everybody is uh so yeah follow us along at white flag app um our podcast is on apple podcast spotify it's you know, it's a, 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 um, a, a more, uh, more involved conversation about my mental health, mm -hmm. about our users, mental health, some of our team members, we're going to talk about ketamine on there. We're going to talk about mushrooms, all things that I tried during my journey. So follow along for the white flag warriors podcast as well. That's good stuff, man. Well, listen, Johnny, uh, it's good to catch up with you. Uh, I'm sorry we haven't done this a whole lot sooner. Uh, I love you brother. And, uh, I wish you all the best. Man. But Ron, you've always, I don't know if your users know this, but you have always been real. And that's what everybody, you know, that's what they say they like about me is, you know, I got the whole far, but, you know, I've always appreciated that, uh, that you've kept it real, not only with your users, even in Myrtle Beach, you know, you bring us along on your journey and it's just, you're just a wonderful person. I'm glad to call you a friend, man. Same here, buddy. Thank you so much for the time. Absolutely. Of course. All right, y'all download that app. You may not need it. You may not. There may be that moment, that moment of weakness, that moment of lack of clarity, that moment of wobbly psyche. It, it happens to us all, okay? There's no shame in this. This is a no-cost option that can be in your pocket at your weakest moment, at your moment of need. You just never know, right? Download the White Flag app, absolutely free. You answer a few questions, and then you're, because of, because of your 
particular situation because of what you're going through, your unique experience and mindset and place in life. You're going to have compatriots, people who have either dealt with or are dealing with circumstances similar to you that you can lean on. So communal, right? And it's right there in your pocket when you download the White Flag app. All right, good stuff there from Johnny McCoy. That's going to do it for the Ron Show today. I thank you for listening. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. here on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. Get more at ronshowatl.com. See you tomorrow.